You're listening to the Fire in a Hole podcast with Richard and Jason, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and a cast. If you want to keep the show free and help us keep the lights on, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. If you have ideas for the show, we'd like to come on the show, uh, don't hesitate to drop us a line at Podcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, Richard. Hello. I had a great time. Did you have a great time? I had a wonderful time. Who did we have on today? We had Connor. Connor O'Neill. Connor O'Neill. Great guy. Interesting guy. Very interesting guy, right? Yeah. You may definitely. know Connor O'Neill from uh, the band uh, Lakes of Canada. Yes. Which uh, is a pr- pretty much a staple in Montreal at this point. Yeah. Yeah, he talked about a, a bunch about uh, his band and touring. Yeah, we touched on that lightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we talked, we went deep into the uh, freedom of speech, uh, Mike Ward verdict, uh, a little Gomeshi here and there. Yeah, we addressed some of these controversies that are currently happening in the social media sphere with people getting banned, getting people getting censored. Oh, uh, yeah, Milo Yiannopoulos. A little Trump in there, of course. As it were. Yeah. Kanye didn't make an appearance this, this episode. Kanye's been trumped. Yeah. He's just, he's just not he's just not making any any dents right now that's right and then second half was entirely pokemon it was like pokemon go yeah you kind of saw it coming uh pokemon go is the game that is uh is uh, taking over everything social phenomenon and uh cer- certainly you could count connor amongst the converts or as the proponents of the of this game oh yeah he's deep in that stuff he's really he's made us see it so at least he's he's opened my eyes to a couple of things that i hadn't i'd sort of very had a surface kind of well definitely the star trek next generation uh, metaphors helped yes so we talk <laughs> pokemon go um we talk about um you know social change in the captain sense power captain power <laughs> i briefly went on on captain power but uh it all it all it all comes together and somehow all fits together and i think this is a good one isn't that goth yep. very good you did some research on our nutritional choice yes but <sighs> still moving gras is always best when served live would you like something easier easier yes if Klingon food is too strong for you perhaps we could get one of the females to breastfeed you That's like every sandwich I find in my fridge. <laughs> every sandwich? Yeah. Really? Is this I wonder how edible? long this has been there. Smell. Mm. You make Bite. sandwiches? Mm. Actually, no. That ever happens. I'm, I eat a, my I'm amazed if anyone has a sandwich in their fridge because if I make a sandwich, it's it's getting eaten. It's, yeah, immediately. Yeah. <laughs> There's no like, I think I'll do this later. I think I'll save some of this sandwich. Right. No. No. As, as if it's going to get any better. No, it will definitely get worse. The yeah. The lettuce is the first to go. Uh, it gets yeah. all like soggy. I would I would say the tomato is the first to go because uh-huh. it gets sort of like this combination, especially if you keep it in the fridge. It gets this yeah. combination of, of hard but gooey 
and it just spreads that mess everywhere. And it, it kind of also, I don't know if this is there's science behind this, but it kind of absorbs the the mm. fridge funk. Oh, everything absorbs fridge funk. <laughs> this can we fridge hashtag fridge funk? Can yeah. we do this? Um, yeah. So it immediately, if you left other things, you know, uh, unattended, yeah, will uh, be sort of drawn into the tomato, yeah. and then you've got this soggy kind of this lettuce that gave up, kind of just drooped over it. And then the cheese is not even worth talking about at that mm, point. Exactly. Uh, the meat and the cheese kind of have merged at this point into a strange kind of concoction. At, at my place, I'm, I'm known as not just the sandwich master, but literally the sandwich master. Really? It's, it's sandwiches at Round Home are referred to as sandwiches because that's just how we roll. Really? Uh, you roll the sandwiches? I do, yeah. Sometimes okay. in wraps, but mostly just on <laughs> Wait, bread. Wait, th- I thought you didn't make sandwiches. Is I this, do. Or are you yeah. admitting now? You're I, coming I mean, I've always made sandwiches. Okay. I told you that they were in the fridge. How do you think they got there? I see. Yes. Okay. So, so what's, this, what's so the approach? The secret mm-hmm. is in the order that you place your toppings so that you don't... Like, for example, you want if you are having lettuce and tomato or pickle or anything like hot peppers, like pickled peppers, things like that, anything that's kind of liquidy, like juicy, you want to keep those as far away from the bread as possible. This so you is need true. to create a barrier. And, and you do you, this how? Uh, usually, that's what the cheese and meat do. They are, they are both important uh, salt-producing ingredients, but also barriers for the vegetables. Okay. They keep the moisture exactly. away from the bread. Yes. Does that mean that you double meat like you meat on top and on the bottom? They're it usually means that the meat and cheese are separate from each other. I one, see. One against one layer of bread and one against the other. Okay. Okay. Mm. But it also uh, means that you need a very f- complete covering of both against the bread so as to not leave any room for that you know, vegetable moisture to get through. And what's your what do you seal it in? Do you seal it into a Ziploc bag? Do you put in one of those little? I mean, I usually seal it into my mouth, but otherwise, right. otherwise, uh, if you're otherwise, not eating it, either Saran wrap uh, or if there's hot ingredients in it, aluminum foil. Okay, that's a good thing. I like aluminum foil. Yeah, it's under. You can also do um, like the parchment paper. Parchment paper makes a good barrier, but you still need to wrap it in something that's gonna actually hold it closed because parchment paper will just open immediately. That's true. But you can parchment paper it and then aluminum foil it, and mm-hmm. that is like pretty much as firm a seal as you're gonna get. Yeah, parchment mm. paper is one of those things that you you want to be careful with. Uh, mm. If you have the type of girlfriend that buys also the wax paper, ah uh, yes, because you don't want to mix those. You don't want to mix those up. No. Uh, and then I have put pizza in with wax paper, and then you mm. know it starts smelling like candles in the yes. house, and you're like, oh no. What immediately, have done? immediately, you know you've made the mistake. Yeah, and then you eat the pizza anyway because no one's there. Well, you <laughs> scrape the <laughs> toppings off the the top, and you you try to eat through some of the crust, but you leave the bottom layer of crust. You kind of don't care, right? I mean, you kind of don't care. I kind of don't <laughs> care. Yeah. Well, Connor, this is a great way of to kick, to kick things. I'm off. apologizing in advance, anyone listening to this. <laughs> no, this is uh, just just a level of organic, literally organic um, mm. flow that we've reached, uh, Richard and I, That's with right. uh, over. I think there's there's some value in sandwich. You're a sandwich scientist, right? By trade? Sandwichologist. 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 That would be great. Yeah, if you could major in sandwiches (laughs) or minor in sandwiches. Either way, Mm. if this would be taught, uh, I feel feel like... Yeah, I feel like if that was the case, there wouldn't be such a large disparity between um, uh, enrollment in university between men and women. I feel like there would probably be significantly more men who don't apply to university who would because they'd be like, well, if I can go into sandwich... 
Mm-hmm. That's mm. like a whole. Other, I wasn't super into literature. I was gonna just take the family business, but if sandwich is an option, I'll well, now, probably study that. Everything's changed. Yeah, it's a game changer. Yeah. You could literally, and then you could say, "Go make me a sandwich," and it would be kind of like a cool, like a, like a call sign between mm. sandwich majors, sandwich masters. Yeah, and mm. we could get rid of sandwich masters. We could get rid of uh, mm. prayer studies, which is probably not really useful. And mm. then that's that feels like a good fit. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. switch out the prayer and put in the sandwiches. Seems like a logical fit. Mm-hmm. So being, mean, they're both valid religions in their own right. Sandwiches, right. and except yeah. we have proof, and everything else. Sandwiches, right. we have actual. <laughs> sandwiches, we yeah. have proof that they're they're good. Yeah, they exist. But we take it on faith that they're going to be tasty before we bite into them. It's That's true. true. There's a so, there's a so modicum of faith plunge, involved. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. good points. Good points. Yeah. So does the sandwich making uh, come in handy? Um, I mean, f- when it comes to touring, because I know you're in a band. Um, <coughs> Tour sandwiches generally consist of a single piece of bread, untoasted, with a dollop of peanut butter on it, folded in half and squished together to spread that peanut butter out while driving. That you've hidden from the other members? No, no. We we buy like a loaf of bread and a thing of peanut butter and take it on tour. Has that actually happened? Mm -hmm. I did that on our last tour. Because you read about it, right? You read about road stories and you're Mm -hmm. like, I don't think that happened. Like, uh, was it? All of the things you read about? It's happened. Pretty much have happened to someone. Uh Uh-huh. Um, the good ones have never happened to me. <laughs> Just the bad I, ones. With like a couple of exceptions. Like all these models showed up and took us back to their place. Like that stuff? Yeah. I mean, not models. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I want to get into that. Okay. I want to get into that. So I'm sure you do. <laughs> you have a, you, you're part of a band. I think I you, you are a founding member of this I band. I am. I okay. am of that. And this is a band that's called the the lakes of canada it's called lakes of canada probably often introduced as the great lakes and then someone thinks that's really funny so what's hilarious is we just played in lance saint jean which is in uh, the saguenay and our poster for the show featured the great lake swimmers (laughs) it said our name and then it was an image of the great lake swimmers probably because they just googled lakes canada band okay and got an image <laughs> and they were like four bearded dudes and a redhead that's the same as our band so they just use some other band that's like secretly <laughs> awesome right it's pretty hilarious because if you don't if you're from montreal you think that's like i we're being ironic about it or yeah. something so when we saw it i was like that's that doesn't seem right none of those people are any of us Right, but meh. but this works. Yeah, well, they, they thought this was an actual portrait of you guys, like this they, was an actual picture. They, of you guys. Uh, when we first showed up, they weren't sure who we were. That's great. <laughs> and we're like, we're the band, and they're like, oh, you don't look like your picture. And I was like, <laughs> but your hair picture. is dry. How can you be? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they thought that the Great Lake Swimmers were were going to be performing music. No, they thought we were going to be performing music, but rather than take the image of uh, our actual band from our press kit, uh, they just Googled it. Or Googled something and found that. This and is great. Downloaded that. This is the basis of like, this is a basis of like probably a, a comedy sketch where. I mean, we could write some pretty serious shit about our about touring. Yeah. There's we've had, uh, on three separate occasions, gigs in Toronto the day before a gig in Montreal and having to drive back overnight. Um, the worst. Excuse me. Mm, that this delicious. This delicious Fire alcoholic home. beverage yeah. that I won't name. Um, I know. Yeah. Uh, this delicious. Yeah. Where was I going with this? Now I'm stuck on the alcoholic. No, right. We were. We had to drive back from Toronto to Montreal. Our set in Toronto finished at 1:40 a.m. Our sound check in Montreal was at 11 a.m. the next day. 
so by the time we left Toronto, like packed down, got the car and got out, it was 2.30. We had to get back to Montreal for our sound check, which was at 11. We weren't clearly weren't going to stay in Toronto for a few hours and then leave. So we left right away. Uh, the sun came up when we were hitting Kingston. Wow. Which was rough. Do you take turns driving? or? I mean, we should have. But at the time, there wasn't really anyone else to drive. Okay. So it was me. Red eye. And then... Of course, we got to the Ilotourt Bridge to get back into Montreal at 8 a.m. on a weekday. Which doesn't so, happen. So after driving all night, we hit massive traffic. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we're just like not going anywhere. It's like the video of that guy that, <laughs> that's losing oh, yeah. his shit. <laughs> yeah. Who built this city? Who built this city? <laughs> was that in Montreal? Yeah, that would be it was Montreal. Yeah. It went viral, but it was a uh, your if you're from Montreal, you immediately crack up because yeah. you, you can hear the accent of like uh, Shamidi or yeah, yeah. Uh, seven o'clock in the morning. Who built this city? Yeah, <laughs> Shamidi. You go to Shamidi. You go to Jean Talon. Traffic everywhere. Traffic. It's seven o'clock. Imagine. Imagine at eight. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think that um, that Montreal just didn't have urban planners. Uh-huh. But I found out that we actually have excellent urban planners who give excellent advice, but they're not which is to. consistently ignored in favor of minor budgetary, you know, help. I can confirm this. I yeah. can confirm this. Uh, having built part of Montreal, no, but uh, having uh, had clients in the uh, engineering world, yeah. uh, they, these guys that I talked to were specifically uh, water treatment guys. Oh, yeah. And engineers. <laughs> I don't know if I want to know where this story is going. Well, they just literally <laughs> said, like, well, you know the deal with Quebec, right? I'm like, well, the deal? Like, the corruption deal? I was like, no, 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 no. Like, the, the regular deal. You know what the deal is, right? I'm like, what's the deal? Well, project comes. Uh, we make the recommendation as to how to do it best. We make some of the best engineers in North America. Mm-hmm. And then they're all promptly ignored for mm-hmm. the cheapest possible price. Yes. And, yeah. and, and we're, like, yelling, screaming that this is going to last them you know, six months to a year rather mm-hmm. than 50. And we get ignored every single time. Mm-hmm. And then this is where we're at. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's, and it's almost always because they want to be able to present a good budget so that they can get reelected. Right. Like it's literally just their own political self-interest or, you know, wanting to be able to pad their own pockets by being like, well, we budgeted this much, but we went under budget by doing this thing. So, Hey, bonuses, bonus, everybody. <laughs> bonus. Where's Larry? Oh, a uh, piece of the bridge fell on him. Oh, that's too bad. Hey, extra money to go around. No bonus, Larry. bonus, <laughs> bonus. Okay, so... Who needed Larry anyways? Uh, who needed Fuck that L- guy. Larry? Fuck Larry. Also, I don't know that I've ever met a Quebecois named Larry. It's got to happen. Laurent? Laurent, yeah. Yeah, but none of them... They're always like, call me Lawrence. Yeah, they, they wouldn't I've never had Larry. one say, call me Larry. Larry is very American. Yeah. It is very American name. So If you're Larry and you're out there, please write into the show. Yeah, we're sorry, Larry. <laughs> I don't We're know. That's the a whole thing. podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> do, you, do you guys actually have a like yeah. people can write? Okay, oh, yeah. I was just I was just guessing. Oh, yeah. Figured you seem pretty techno savvy. Yeah, yeah, we're all that. over the place. We're we're, we're, we're just, everywhere. We're so connected. We're omnipresent. Um. So, uh, tell me about the founding of this band. So, in the summer of 2010, I was recovering from a bad bicycle accident, uh, and so my arm was in a cast, and a good friend of mine. <coughs> excuse me, was doing his own sort of like singer songwritery kind of stuff that was, I guess, kind of cute and charming and m- half humor based. But, you know, he's like, he's a decent player and, and, um, like he was intelligent a guy and a good, jokey good songwriter. Like yeah. Like he had song about his, 
three-legged cat that okay. he had when he was a kid and he had songs about you know stuff like that and and one of the first covers that we ever did was um fucker gently by tenacious d okay which we would do kind of as like this you know just a duo and it was it was pretty you know it was it was fun i wasn't able to play anything so i was just singing some harmony with him sometimes and then i got my cast off and i was able to kind of slowly recover and what's your original instrument would it be drums or no no i actually learned the drums for the band so i played piano for many years and then all through my undergrad um like through high school and then Seishep and then undergrad I was my main instrument was probably the alto saxophone hey but you played um, that some of that shit right tenor yeah tenor sax yeah. tenor is pretty sweet I liked alto because I would most frequently double on Barry hmm. and Barry's just the sexiest mother freaking instrument it is of, yeah of I want to make the move I want to make yeah. the jump yeah okay anyways so uh, you would have been doing what instrument had you not been in the cast uh probably piano yeah yeah cause uh, you know, two people singing while one plays guitar and then the other in, like intermixes singing with alto saxophone, I think would be a little weird. Hmm. I don't know that that's the right ensemble. Right. Yeah. So I got the cast off and I wasn't able to play piano yet, but I was able to play the glockenspiel, which was also adorable. And then... It fit the whole... Yeah, it fit this sort of cutesy vibe. And at the time, we didn't know what to go with as a name. And one of the names that I was really into was Coitus Copius. But I didn't think that that also <laughs> would be taken very seriously. It's a bit over the top. Yeah. But I like it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so then I started playing piano and stuff and some small percussion. And then uh, we got a pianist, and he was much better than me. So I was like, okay, you do that, and I'll do other stuff, doing more percussion. Then another friend joined the band, and he's a really very excellent guitarist. And so then I was like, okay, so... You just keep getting it's knocked getting, off instruments? No, I was never playing guitar. It's just it okay. was the band was getting bigger, big enough to the point where I couldn't just do, you know, like floor tom and egg shaker and, you know, like small percussion. I had to get a drum set, so I bought a drum set and learned to play drums. How and long did was, that take you? I don't know, not long. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't consider myself any sort of expert at it, but I can play it. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. So how many are you in the band now? Now we're five. We're five? Yeah. Okay. I said and we're five as if I were in the band. Yeah. But you meant you were, we are. You were five. Yeah. No, you were using the royal we, but you were sort of using it backwards, talking about the royal me. <laughs> right. Yeah. But Thanks for clearing that up. So yeah. uh, who are the members? Uh, so it's myself uh, on drums and synth and vocals. Um, co-founder is my friend Jake. Uh, Jake Smith, he plays guitar and sings, but he's been also been playing some percussion. Like um, he's got like we have extra an extra floor tom and an extra fifteen inch field snare, which doubles sometimes as a tom and sometimes as a snare. Okay. He, so he does that, and then there's Tim. Uh, he's the lead guitarist. He plays guitar, and on the acapella tunes he beatboxes. Um, he beatboxes. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Wicked. Well, I mean, it would be weird. Like, he's not really a singer. And four-part harmony is about as far as you can get without it kind of getting muddy, especially when four of the voices are men's voices. So um, so it wouldn't really make sense to have him singing. Um, but it would also be weird if we're doing a cappella tunes and he's just standing. Yeah. So Yeah, that's always um, weird. It's like uh, I listen to a lot of metal. Good for and you. And then, thank you. And there's, there'll be like these instrumental, more instrumental bands where clearly the band was formed by 
like the the guitarist guy and like he clearly wants to show off his stuff and then invariably there'll be these like parts where the singer just kind of bobs and stands around a little mm. awkwardly as this guy is like <laughs> he just keeps going and that's always weird so mm. yeah it, 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 there's a whole live production aspect of you have to yeah you need you need a singer who can also double as the quote-unquote hype man i don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. we played a charity gig i guess a year ago or so maybe a year and i don't remember for le sac à dos and the headlining band was les breast feeders oh yeah and they have a guy who sort of just plays tambourine and loses his mind all over the stage like he's dancing and jumping he like jumped from the stage onto one of those like round tall tables which of course immediately flipped over and he sort of sprawled and jumped back up and jumped right back on and it was like i was like this person must be made of bricks okay because <laughs> he really he he's really just like the jester yeah. yeah 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 and again in metal uh, punk you there are guys like these bands that go out there and it's like every show is like their they they it's like their last show. Mm-hmm. I can think of uh, was it Amen, which I saw a few years mm-hmm. ago. The, the the lead singer Casey Chaos, the guy's knocked himself unconscious on stage. Like mm-hmm. that's how he can't stand still, and he just loses it. And it's like really impressive to see. But but you wonder if you're like how do you alive. do this? How do you do this every day? He might be a robot. Or he might a robot. A robot. Yeah. Is this the, your way of pronouncing robot? I mean, that's how Isaac Asimov pronounced. Does it. he say robot? He said robot. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I'm gonna st- start saying robot. I now. think it's a good word. Okay, mm. so the band slowly comes together. Yeah, and there's more and more people. I mean, I forgot a couple members: Sarah on keys and Greg on, I guess, guitar and bass and drums, and they both sing also. And and <coughs> so yeah, and it it grew over the years. We had some members come in, and come out, and we've had membership changes. And one of the things that I like about it is because I have a background sort of in composition and film scoring and Jake has a background in musical theater and classical literature we're not so much tied to a specific instrumentation or a specific um, musical direction so like we had at one point we had a member who was a cellist and and sang and he left and he was replaced by Greg who plays mostly guitar and sings but he can also play like a little bit keyboards and he can play bass and stuff like that and there it goes again <laughs> and uh <laughs> so we check. just so we just you know changed the sound like we're not going to be like well we lost a cellist we need to find a new cellist okay you we just, don't define you just ourselves roll with like the punches that. yeah exactly okay and the yeah. sandwiches okay so you just go according to whatever happens mm-hmm. and that's it seems to have worked i mean i've seen yeah. you guys featured a little bit everywhere and mm. it's, when did you start getting success oh i don't know that we're there Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly you're somewhere more than we're, just. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to say. It's it's very much a gradual process, and invariably you end up with, um, with kind of sharp increases and then sharp decreases. Like it's it's pretty volatile. Sometimes you feel like you're riding really high and things are going super well, and other times you feel like you're just like you wonder whether you should still be a band because you haven't achieved any like next level you're kind of wondering what's going to happen um <coughs> your presence on the podcast is you've you've yeah no you've, you've now, this, leveled is, up, this is yeah so what level level six with six six, yeah. six. Level, okay six, yeah. cool but i mean i just i can't even imagine what it must be for a band now yeah uh i don't even know what the what the scene's like i mean it's what happened what's happening out there it's kind of strange um there's 
much more DIY going on than ever before. Bands can make it without labels much more so than they ever have been before. Um, label deals are also harder to get than ever before. They still exist, though. Yes. And are they still worth well? It depends. Like, Macklemore did it without a label, but he also, you know, DIY'd himself to, you know, massive status. And most sure. people don't. Most of the time, your reason for having a label label is the same reason for having a publicist. It's like they just can put you in touch with the right people and they can talk to the right people to get you those gigs that you want, get you those appearances that you want, get you, you know, deals on other things, sponsorship or whatever that you can't get yourself. So the reason to sign on and to give them a cut of whatever earnings you make as uh, the talent is because they provide you with the opportunity to make significantly more. Like we recently signed a publishing deal and of course it's How's that different from a record deal? Sorry. Uh the publishing deal is largely in order to get existing recorded audio into film, television, advertisement, things oh, like that. Okay. So if you're watching TV and you see some ad and you're like, oh, I love that song and you Shazam it and then you go out and buy it. Like the reason that advertisers want to find songs like that and are willing to drop thousands of dollars to license a song for like the use for that ad uh, is because they think that it's going to help them make more money. And so publishers essentially are in touch with music supervisors and the music supervisors get all of those they basically will shoot out to all of these publishing publishers um, <coughs> emails that'll say things like hey we have such and such thing we need something where in like 20 seconds there's kind of this vibe or this kind of build or that has this kind of you know feel or they'll talk about a scene from a film or from a tv show and like we need something that fits this kind of feel. exactly and like as and then a, the publishing deal <coughs> will put you in the running the publisher will then have they have a bunch of artists that they've signed and they'll be like oh this song from this artist would be perfect or this like these songs i think are like our best candidates for this thing and then they'll send those back to the music supervisor who will listen to all of them and be like this is the one and then send to that publisher thing saying we've chosen this song this is what we're offering and the publisher will be like huzzah that's money everyone loves money um the nice thing about it for us is that we already have recorded music so um music that we've already made that we've already invested a lot of our own time and money into making could theoretically make us money okay you can without, sort of like monetize without, your exactly content. monetize our content by getting it into you know ads and tv and stuff and this is um, a recent deal yeah it's about a month old and have has there been any well i mean not yet but they also gave us a decent advance so okay. we're not freaking out about it or anything that's really cool okay yeah. The other thing that's nice is that as we produce more content, it is also part of the deal. And um, and they also get work for hire, which is when they're asked specifically, hey, uh, we want such and such tune with, for example, these lyrics or with this feel or like this instrumentation or... For commercial use. for Or for uh, a film or a television show or whatever. And then... Okay, the, that makes sense. Okay. Then the publisher will shoot out to the bands that they know can do it. will oh. say, hey, we got a request to do this type of thing. And then the band has a certain amount of time to make that happen. And I, f I feel like now I know of a song that was probably written under those circumstances. Uh, the theme song to Smallville. Probably. Like when you theme hear that song. Theme song kind of stuff 
especially if it's a band that produces a theme song, like Regina Spector, who did Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Like, clearly there's things which they're like, we want something that makes reference to this. And then the artist goes, and, hmm, I wonder what I'm going to come up with. And then, oh, and I came up with this. And they're like, perfect. And then they use it, you know? Okay, that's cool, man. See, this is a whole, like, angle mm-hmm. I didn't even know about. Yeah. Really Does that mean so, that everything that you make from now on is part of this deal? Or can you um, do everything, things on the side? So everything that's made by the band. The band incorporated in order to have... Because the other thing is if we had signed it as individuals, given that there's an exclusivity built in, then no one in the band could produce anything else that would not be part of the deal because uh. it would be t- assigned to our names. Though they could have worded in such a way that it would have been okay. Hmm. Like that it would have been so long as it's written for the perp- like on behalf of the band. But we wanted it to be done this way because it also it's sort of the other reason to incorporate is if if we're incorporated and all of the rights to the songs owned by the corporation those rights will never revert to public domain because hmm. they're always owned by the corporation which oh. never dies interesting so so you have representation like for like 20 120 years or 70 years or something like that the corporation yeah um well the we rights. can the thing is the rights the ownership of the corporation can be passed down to mm. progeny or to whoever or sold to hold the uh, hold the uh, exactly okay. and so then whoever owns the corporation owns the rights to the songs because the corporation owns the rights to the songs mm. okay cool yeah. that's fucking cool mm-hmm. yeah you always wonder about these little things in the background and how they work and uh yeah it's kind of complicated and there's a lot of minutiae and it's not my favorite thing mm. but i appreciate <coughs> that there's a way that I can protect my interests outside, like within the confines of, you know, current legislation and and copyright law and stuff. So, okay. Yeah. So, is, is piracy a problem for you guys? I mean, no. Mostly because the people who want to uh, steal our music are unlikely to buy it anyways. Okay. And at this point, like, if someone wants to steal specifically my band's music. I'm sure they're not going to go to the trouble of looking on all the torrent sites, not finding it anywhere, you know, and then illegally and then just say, well, screw it. I'm not going to get this album then. Or, you know, they're right. not going to, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the, the people are not going to are like, they're not going to try really hard to pirate it and then be unable to, and then say, okay, well, I guess I'll just buy it. So if they're not going to do that, then like, there's like, I would rather someone have the music and not pay for it if they weren't going to pay for it in the first place than mm. not have the music. They don't have it at all. Because they'll listen to it and they'll be like, oh, but I really like this. And they'll be like, okay, well, I guess I can buy their album. Mm. Or this, go to a show or yeah, exactly. something else. This is a, a trip, man. This whole, this whole, uh, I mean, in our own lifetime, we saw the RIAA battles and mm-hmm. the, the crazy sort of debacle that came out of the Napster explosion and stuff like that. And, it's sort of like it was in the news for a long time and then it just went away and like nobody really knows what the deal is right at this point mm-hmm. uh, whether piracy is a thing are people pursuing it is everyone mm-hmm. everything just DIY now um, I just I don't even know what's going on with this stuff anymore um, so it's it's interesting to hear this yeah. stuff yeah they're I definitely guess. still active there's they're still are RIA yeah and the MPAA they're still in, they're oh, still yeah, going yeah. after people oh, of course sure. yeah yeah like really? crazy Oh yeah, it's a whole industry Didn't, at this point. I mean, there. Are, I mean, the fact that things are still getting shut down, like massive online sharing sites are still getting shut down. Is that them though? Because I just thought that was like your internet police or. I, your, I mean, I think no. it's. <coughs> I think it's probably combination. I think there's different as like you know like they might, um, 
they like RIA might be going after like you know getting the information in order to get people who are actually who actually have the power to arrest someone to go out and arrest that person and to shut down things and to seize things for investigation like strong lobbies too there was i don't know which one but one of the world's largest torrent sites just got taken down like yesterday really yeah really okay yeah was it pirate bay or or in torrent iso hunt or one of those i i don't know you don't even know i don't i don't it's interesting i mean can you imagine being in prison or just being you know like being in prison for for stealing music they're literally just delivering you to death right because mm. you're not really a criminal like you're not a criminal in the real sense yeah mm. well and, and no one's gone to jail for downloading no stuff. yet no. not yet no. just that's, fines they find people so. yeah they just fine so. uh i i mean i think there are people who could theoretically get jail time though of course it would be minimum security but then were the one of the pirate bay guys get sent to jail yeah that's different he's not he's not just like a downloader it's okay. not just somebody downloading a piece no, of music not, that he No, not enjoys. individual people. People people who run the corporation or who run the entities which allow people to to um, That's where they get people. Files. Like Those people who are, people are distributing who illegally. Right. Yeah. And their interpretation of, distribu- of distributing that extends to torrent sites, even though they don't host any of it themselves. So is but that they're giving access to people even though they're sharing it between themselves. Sharing. I mean, when you think about it, that's sort of how they should treat drug crime. Like people who are buying like weed on the street shouldn't ever get sent to jail, which in obviously in the states that happens, mm-hmm. uh, they should just get fined if it's if it's illegal. Though that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that's and decriminalization essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas the people who are providing access to the illegal substance or to the illegal distribution system, those are the people who it would make more sense to jail. To send to jail, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, by wasteful. that definition, Google is is guilty too. Oh yeah, Wait, all it, of the big companies. Yeah. Are. Explain, yeah. because if you Google any of these like torrents or anything, like the the links are there. They don't mm-hmm. discriminate, right? Oh. So, so by they still def- provide access. So by definition, like Google's almost like a torrent indexing system. But right? then every search engine would be that. Right. So by that definition, they should all go to jail. And then we wouldn't have any search engines, and the world would grind to a halt because no one would figure out how to use. Because no one knows how to use the library anymore. Exactly. <laughs> so, jeez, yeah. it's like uh, it's, it's a Pandora's it's a complex box. Issue. Yeah, it's a complex yeah. issue. Yeah, speaking of which, I don't know if you guys read about the. I know you did, Richard, because we discussed it earlier. But um, I don't. Do you know Milo Yiannopoulos? Oh yeah. You, have you been yeah, following he's a that dick story? That's who he is. He's a he's a special dude. He's a special dude, and like you can definitely be disagree with him and hate his guts. And I do. Yeah. Um, he's a dick bag. He he he's a bit he of a is, dick bag. He is a large sack made of uh, sewn together phalluses. <laughs> that would imply that that's a bad thing. How do you really thing. feel about it, Connor? <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, wait. I resent that because phalluses are great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I hate this idea of dicks being bad thing. That's I'm, true. I'm, I'm demonizing our phalluses. Dicks individually aren't bad things, but when you get a lot together, of them together. It's the sewing together that really yeah. crosses the line. Yeah. So uh, for those that don't know, yeah, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos is a self-described um, sort of conservative gay provocateur mm-hmm. that's kind of his his whole branding he calls himself the da- the dangerous faggot the dangerous faggot yes i think that's so the name of his tour but it's it's weird though because it seems that that kind of came in the second phase right because when i first became aware of him remember i sent you links to him before he kind of was a thing mm-hmm. i happened to cross a talk by him unless you were aware of him before that well i think i became aware of him when he was on rogan for the first time okay well i i remember like when you made me when we discovered Christ, Christi, or you made me 
discover Christina, Christina Hoff Summers. Summers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did research beyond that, and then I found this guy, and it, he used to be this like awkward little dude in an ill-fitting suit. Um, um, he was bleached didn't have hair, yeah. sorry and bleached hair. Yeah, he still he had the bleached hair, but like he just did, was not like a celebrity or anything. He was just he was kind of more Christopher Hitchens model, mm. like a student of Hitchens, but then he had this weird conservatives thing anyway so for those that don't know he has been permanently banned from Permanent, permanently um, yeah, i think deactivated, yeah. yeah permanently i think the term that they used was suspended from twitter activity yeah. okay permanently suspended i think yeah. it was yeah. now did he do something did he actually say something that was off that, that violated the terms of the twitter he supposedly I mean, incited he was held accountable for what some of his followers did mm-hmm. and i think what he said was that one of the Ghostbusters actresses who yeah, Leslie, recent, Jones. Leslie Jones who was recently in the recently got a lot of hate on Twitter I think he called her what was it illiterate or something no just like untalented or okay. spectacularly untalented or okay, you just said she sucks basically yeah okay like spectacularly and that led to a lifetime something. ban uh, well a lot of because she was getting a lot of heat on Twitter th- mm. at the time so I think that he was held accountable for a lot of Maybe some of his uh, fans that that may have uh, insulted her over the social media. Does that seem Something like that? That seems a little crazy. I mean, I I think he went a little further than saying that she was talentless. I think did he? It, uh, I don't know. What was um, the thing that he said? I so I've peripherally been following this, but a lot of the hate that she's received has specifically been targeting her for um, being a person of color. And my understanding is that he incited racism towards her and um, he incited people to sort of, I guess, lash out at her uh, specifically for um, for based on her race. Her, well, yeah, based that sounds on odd the fact because that she's a black woman. And uh, Yiannopoulos is, says a lot of dumb shit, but um, I, I've never I've never definitely I've never engaged him as a racist. The, the thing that that strikes me is that I saw the film and while Kate McKinnon clearly steals the show having both being exceptional but also having a really great character to work with like I would say Leslie Jones was probably the second best of the Ghostbusters so clearly it's not about gender okay right because they could have easily picked any of them they're all women right Um, he picked the black woman Okay, so it felt it felt kind of odd to you. Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, as I'm I said, I've really only peripherally been following. Sure. I just know that she's gotten very serious uh, hate. As on as Twitter. does everyone, right? Oh no! Like no like, no uh, what's way his beyond name? way beyond that. Michael B. Jordan when uh, he turned when they announced him for Fantastic Four torch, like people went apeshit yes, on him. Yes, him as well. Uh, there's um, there's examples. What I was actually interested yeah. in, less than getting into maybe the minutia of why and who. And I'm looking yeah. at the tweets now. It says, fat and ugly, 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 fat. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like Milo Yanopoulos. And another one that says, rejected by yet another black dude. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I guess, yeah, he went a little bit further than that. But Yeah. I mean, I think the point that he makes after his ban is that, well, it's it's... It's unrealistic to hold every celebrity accountable for everything that their followers will do. And he 
cited a lot of different examples of people who have just you know different types of zealots that are following them on social right. media and mm-hmm. that well even wasn't there even evidence of leslie jones like sicking her fans on other people yeah she said like get them yeah sort of thing so she's like, she's done it she's she's directed her fans but a lot of people have done it by like retweeting someone else's ignorant thing like mm-hmm. the the motivation is that the people who support you will then go after them mm-hmm. so that's that's celebrity is sort of part of the twitter it's sort of a weird um situation though specifically because um the whole kind of Spider-Man-esque notion of with great power comes great responsibility. A lot of people who are in positions of celebrity get there not because they've worked hard to become celebrities, but because they've worked hard to achieve some place uh, through, like through their craft, either as an actor or as a musician or as a politician or you know some other figurehead where people people will say, "Oh, this person I recognize and I consider them important for whatever reason." And if you use that soapbox to incite hatred, then you are irresponsible and you are negligent. And being on that biggest stage and either being so um, ignorant of that power that you wield or being... um, or just kind of going like, oh, I, I can't be responsible for yeah, what my followers. Yeah, you can't do. get away with that. You, you feel are like- responsible for what you say and what you do. Like, you know, you can separate. You, I, I have difficulty separating art from the artist. So, like, there are artists whose body of work I have enjoyed, and then I discover things about them. Roman Polanski. I mean, Woody Gian Allen. Gomeshi. Gian Gomeshi. You know, like I, I listened to Q. And now just hearing his voice makes me shudder. Right. And and I like I personally can't separate one from the other. So um so yeah, so all that being the case, if you have that big a following and you use it to spread hate and then something bad happens, people start, you know, literally like bombarding someone with with hateful messages or you know, sending them stuff in the mail or um, death threats, but on, exactly. As a you know, on the other like side obviously the, the person who's sending that stuff is responsible as well. But if you incite them to do that, then you own your share of responsibility. Okay, yeah. you know, like I mean, on the other side, that is a tactic that's used on, like on, like he's on the extreme right. I would say right. So if you have the the left. They also employ a similar tactic, but because Twitter is a uh, maybe a le- more left-leaning organization, that they allow those tactics to be used. Right, by, but there's certain things that are not done generally by the left. That are not done by people who are for um, social justice inequality, like doxing, like hate speech. Like people will say that someone is an, like ignorant or an asshole, but they won't. The the people there's very few people, unless you're getting to the very far radical left, who are. Um, suggesting violence or aggression hmm. they're mostly suggesting that people get fired or that people get po- called out publicly oh, wait, hang for on a their second. isn't that aggression taking no. someone's livelihood no, away from them no aggression is saying that you want to rape someone that's aggression okay. aggression is saying that someone deserves to be killed or that or lynched or things like that that's aggression but milo yiannopoulos i don't think he did any of that did he 
well, I, I, as I said, I, I don't know exactly what he I, did. I, I don't think but if, if he's like inciting that, people, I guess to that's be aggressive. That's and, really and what. Violent. See, that's and the thing is, I think the way that what I'm interested in when I see these things is, I feel like we could go on for days about. Yes. Did he deserve it? Yeah. Did he not? I think more universally, what I'm interested in is should a person be be banned for the things that they say. Or should, like, what is the responsibility of the company? What is the responsibility of us socially? Where does the law get involved? Well, when people talk about free speech, they try to use it as, well, I'm allowed to say what I want or do what I want because of freedom of speech. And freedom of speech just means that you can't be prosecuted. It just means that you can't, you are not forced to, um, like, you can't be prosecuted for saying something unless it is hate speech. So... That doesn't mean that you are not in the public eye and that the public can't then act accordingly. It doesn't save you from being fired from your job or being banned from a, a service which you are being allowed to access from that service. The service can still say, we don't want to be associated with you. Goodbye. Like, essentially, what Twitter said is, you're an asshole and we're showing you the door. And that's, that's it. And they're entitled to do so. Right. Even yes, though their the, network the is problem their is company, that, you know? the problem is they don't do it consistently. No, and right? and actually the bigger problem is that Twitter and Facebook and you know whoever else don't consistently take actual threats of violence, actual doxing, actual right sharing now. of right of um, illegally obtained um, information or photos Pictures or video. Or whatever, they don't yeah. take those seriously enough. Well, some of the defenders of Yiannopoulos pointed that out. Um, and you always have to take this stuff with a grain of salt, right? Of course. But they did bring up some good points about one guy in particular. What's his name? The the douchey guy? The douchey guy? The smart Donald douchey? Trump? No. <laughs> no, no. He's just a douchey. No, this is the douchey <laughs> final. This is the douchey guy that uh, he's, he's Australian. The guy that's always got the map behind him and he's got the... Oh, yeah. I don't know what the guy's he name just is. Like, he's like a YouTuber guy. He rants he's into the... but he makes good yells points. into the void. It's like a, yeah. a new... It's like this new type of conservative. They're not really conservatives. What they are is they're really angry at what they call the regressive left. They're angry mm. at people who use the the leftist sort of approach to kind of hide their own prejudices and to sort of be able to uh, constantly put people hold them accountable mm -hmm. um and so anyway but he, he he's insufferable he's fucking insufferable but he did say like as a youtube guy that's followed by many uh on twitter i've he's like i have consistently asked twitter to help me with death threats with uh, or i've asked him about like like fucking jihadists on the twitter and why they're on there so long right yeah. and i'm like how how fast did this action come against Yan yanopolis Whereas these other people are committing these egregious violations of their I mean, supposed laws. Twitter are is a for-profit company. Right. So they look at what's going to significantly affect their bottom line, right. as all for-profit companies do. And if they recognize that people are going to lash out at them because they're hosting his uh, Twitter feed, then their best interest is to ban him. If people would consistently lash out at them all the time for more and more of these things there would probably be more bans it just happened that this one was in the public eye and saying that because this one was in the public eye and got banned and that's bullshit because other things are like are not less are not any worse and they're also deserving of banning of being banned is like showing up at a garage because you have 
like a flat tire and the guy pointing to like a rusted out car in the lot and saying like well what are you complaining about that car is so much worse it doesn't solve the problem the fact that you have a car that is true. broken you still true hmm. you still address but the it problem does that's it there. does make the governing body less credible right the the, oh, the, the, I mean, the, the judgment i, I don't think that people are are looking to the largest internet companies as as being credible governing bodies especially when you look at sure but you just said and i agree with you that 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 with great power comes great yes, responsibility and 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 it's only by um, speaking truth to power that you can get them to act responsibly. Right. That's why people like mm, delicious. <laughs> um, mm, yeah, uh, it's like when you get um, when you get people to uh, to talk about the difference in in rules on Facebook, for example, with showing topless guys at the beach whose nipples are exposed versus showing women breastfeeding whose nipples are exposed and then Facebook takes down the pictures of breastfeeding or even the pictures of burlesque artists who have pasties on where you can't even see the nipple and I then there's this Sorry. yes exactly and then there's this <laughs> and then there's this weird like double standard between the male nipple and the female nipple because the female nipple is part of the female breast which is sexualized and women are constantly being sexualized and so they're like well this is sexual content so we're going to take it down it's only that because they make it that you know right and so so there's a lot, there's a lot of, of issues that need to be kind of tackled. Right. And it's, it's only by getting them to be in the public eye that people can tackle them. Like, the, the sexy thing to talk about right now is, is Pokemon, which we can talk about. Pokemon Go ad nauseum. Yes, which we, talk about in the, we can talk about in the next segment. Yes. And, and the two sides and how people are so quickly and so... Polarized, like. so polarized, or yeah. so quickly picking sides. Either this is stupid, you have people walking into traffic, or this is great, you're getting people who would otherwise be gaming at home in the dark out in the real world, walking around and actually talking to people in real life. Sure. You know, and and of course, as with most things, there are are going to be strong, really strong differences of opinion. But unlike with most things, people aren't advocating for violence towards Pokemon Go users, and Pokemon Go users aren't advocating for violence or hate or aggression towards the non-users. Right. That's where the big difference lies Possibly. In, in a case like with Yiannopoulos. Yeah, but I, I see I see aggression coming from both sides. I mean, yeah, you'll get le less of the vitriol and the, and the violent language. Mm -hmm. uh, the actual people willing to go through with any of this yeah, is, exactly. of course, very, very small. And but every celebrity has, like, constant death threats and... It's part of the game, right? Yeah, I mean, look at how many we get in our Gmail. Like, nonstop. Yeah. Nonstop, just people... Twitter... People t telling t terrible things they're telling us, but um, um, as an example, just before we wrap this up, is um, the the judgment that came through today for Mike Ward, which you might be aware of as well. Hmm. So Mike Ward, the stand-up comedian, makes fun for like three years. Makes part of his show is making fun of this handicapped kid that sings badly in front of celebrities. Mm -hmm. um, kid slash mother sue him. For eighty thousand dollars for defamation slash mm -hmm. like mental trauma and whatever, and I think today or yesterday he got the payout of like I think the the judge gave him something like thirty five thousand or something thirty five thousand to the kid seven grand to the mother, and then the the guy got the judgment at, before he was about to go on, and he went on yeah. and he did it again like he he doubled down yeah he's made millions off of this but that's the so, so that's yeah. like the weird sort of side story to this yeah. is it's it's made him it's put him on the map where he was mm -hmm. kind of just a e-lister yeah uh in the back there kind of doing his little no, shock up comedy. to at least c at least c yeah. c plus <laughs> i would say <laughs>
Okay. okay, so how do you feel about that situation? What do you do? Uh, the compensation, monetary compensation of free speech, all that stuff. Um, I, I don't know enough about this particular case. I don't know the joke itself. I'm reminded of a joke that Louis C.K. makes about a kid in his daughter's class who's a huge dickbag. I'm going to go keep going with dickbag. That's, okay. I think, going to be my insult. I'm triggered, but I'll let you do it. That's cool. <laughs> I apologize. Do you want me to use something else? No, no. no, no we're in a safe perfect. space. That's great. We're in a safe space. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he never uses the kid's real name. He invents like this completely ridiculous name for him. But the problem with the kid is that he's... he's, he's that a, he's an asshole. He's an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Not that he's mentally challenged. No, he's just an asshole. But he specifically does not make reference to... like, Like, the thing is, Mike Ward, I don't think, needed to... To make it clear who he was talking about, I don't know if he did. I don't know the it, content. He, of the he straight up, and not. I've, I've and, watched the bits, and and my, my name and the mom too. He exactly. goes after the mom, and there's no reason to do that. So he actually put himself in a position to be sued, and I don't know that he would have made any less money if he hadn't. I think he's. That's just a poor decision on his part. He could have very easily not done that. I think it would have also been much more sensitive to the fact that clearly this kid did not choose to have any sort of a disability. So right. to to then put him in the spotlight for it consistently for three consistently years. and without his consent, I'm surprised he didn't get a larger price tag. I think if I were the judge, given all of that, I would have been like, "Well, you made X amount of money." per show and uh x amount of time in each show was that so all of that money that you made off of this is going to the kid and uh also damages because you did it consistently and, and i probably for you would the have, linchpin is the is the fact that he named the kid but then he for me the linchpin money. is that so i don't think that any specific topic has to be off limits for the purposes of comedy but i think that there are ways to make jokes that can be funny without being at anyone's particular expense. Um, I think making it not just about like I don't know how sensitive he was to the like because some comedians will go out and they'll make a joke about you know violence towards women or about um, racial discrimination or things like that and they'll do it in such a way where you can tell that they are making light of the fact that some people don't see this as completely ridiculous like i remember there was a louis ck joke where he talks about how rape is literally the worst thing you could possibly ever do to someone and he goes on for quite a long time about how you should never ever do that unless they don't want to have sex with you in which case what other choice do you have right (laughs) and like so the fact is clearly he's making it seem like how could anyone possibly thinks that that's he, a reasonable he, response he kind of right? dwells in that exactly. world right that's yeah. surreal yeah exactly this is wrong to say this like is misdirection wrong. well it's it's also this is wrong to say but it's also um this would this would be like the only reasoning that i could think of for why someone would do this and clearly if they're at, that's actually their reasoning then they're completely fucked and so if mike ward were to make a joke in that way well then, I, like I said, it I, might it might fly, but not only targeting someone super specific and naming them and doing it consistently for years, but also my guess is, though again I haven't seen it, not doing it in such a way so as to be sensitive to um, to people with mental health issues or disabilities is like it's a uh, stupid, 
Okay, and, fair enough. And is it actionable though? Is it legally actionable? Sure. Well, in Canada, I mean, we have hate speech clearly. laws. We don't have actual freedom of speech. We have freedom of speech with freedom this caveat. Expression. Yeah, freedom yeah. of expression, but like, y- it can't be considered hate speech. So, yeah. what the president that was set with the Mike Ward thing was that if someone is part of a protected group, uh, then such as mentally challenged, such well, as people against challenged. whom you can't discriminate for something like race or gender right. or uh, sexuality or so it'd be different disability. if like you made the joke and like you just had like a Roseanne Barr joke in your set than if you had the disabled kid yeah but named by name so Roseanne Barr wouldn't have well maybe she's a protected group I'm not sure <laughs> but I mean she not should be. She but in any help. case, like it, it, it makes these special rules for uh, for protected uh, endangered species, essentially right. that they have recourses that everyone regular else people doesn't. Don't. That, yeah. So well, you replace regular is that's probably hate speech too. But sure. But let's say you replace <laughs> the like Jeremy kid mm-hmm. uh, by just Connor, Connor, yeah. Connor, this, Connor, that. Then you Connor has no recourse. I, you would my, have no my recourse, recourse wouldn't be in regards to hate speech. It would be in regards to defamation of character. Defamation of character. Yeah. yeah. Right. And in in that case, defamation of character, um, I think, holds up if, A, you can prove that it's uh, false. Like, if you're making false uh, accusations about people. But then also... Like, Connor's a pedophile. Like, no, I'm not. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm not, for the record. For the I'm record. Not, <laughs> I'm not a pedophile. Please believe us. Yeah. <laughs> no. But, see, this is the thing that's weird, is that... So I read a little bit about how uh, his defense team, uh, Mike Ward's defense team, was bringing it, and their whole take on it was that um, this kid Jeremy, because he's a kind of a like you know F list, W list celebrity in the sense that he's one of the he's a performer, that that falls under because there's an actual clause in the charter that says you know if you're a public person, mm-hmm. then you are kind of you have to interpret the defamation laws a bit more loosely like you're kind of fair game mm. because you choose to be a public person you're not a private citizen you're kind of uh, you're doing a thing um, but but what jurisdiction is that because i'm pretty sure it would be trumped by by like the charter like if it, if if it right. was if it had to do with um with hate speech then i'm pretty sure that trumps um defamation of character like loopholes and clauses possibly i mean, i think that's one of those things where it really would be down to the judge that you're facing and he maybe would, next week you should have a lawyer on this Not show like, yeah we know a couple yeah yeah i have yeah. a friend who would be great yeah. really great at this oh we'd love to we'd love yeah. to have this person with us uh i know a couple of entertainment lawyers but i'd love to meet your friend yeah uh, and actually uh get a legal perspective on how this works out yeah but i guess from from our mi- limited understanding of mm-hmm. how this works uh what about you richard how do you how do you see this idea of there's things you can't say and they're legally actionable or there's things that should not be said because they are they fall under defamation or or attack on the integrity of an individual i mean i think i'm kind of for and against uh, i think i would be okay with hate speech if i had any kind of um confidence in its execution or interpretation but because i don't uh, I'm sort of I'm more in favor of free speech than I am of like okay like in an like ideal world in an ideal world hate yeah. speech would be actionable right. but you just don't trust the people that are in charge to make the judgments properly yeah okay I, I, I think that's see that's funny because my interpretation is that 
in the real world, the people who are making the judgments are generally erring on the side of protecting the people who are actually making genuine hate speech and not the people who are making false claims of hate speech. And it so, goes both ways. Yeah, for sure. I don't, I, well, I don't agree with the interpretation either way. I, I think they get it right and they get it yeah, wrong sometimes. I'm pretty sure the stats would significantly back up the fact that there's like inordinate amounts of hate speech towards women, people of color, um, you know, uh, Muslims, uh, trans people, uh, the entire queer community that should be actionable that is not being taken seriously because the overwhelming majority of the people in power are the people with privilege already and they don't experience that kind of discrimination that kind of hate speech on a regular basis I think the the best remedy to bad ideas is good ideas and and putting those ideas out into like like exposing them to the light of day and if you force people who have will still have these ideas to just sort of do it in secret then i w i would prefer to have it like part of the the discourse that and have those 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 hateful ideas go away oh, yeah. naturally you know i mean don't get me wrong one of my favorite things about bigots is when they're really public with their bigotry because right. then i can be like oh you're not deserving of me taking you seriously or giving you modicums of respect because you are have these stupid archaic notions right but, but i mean <laughs> but it's a symptom of the society and you look at somebody oh, yeah. like like donald trump who's only getting more popular from his bigotry yeah you know so and, and he's fucked yeah i don't know if you saw the jim jeffries bit on him no oh I yeah saw a few, uh, from uh, freedom yeah you sign up yeah that was pretty good yeah uh, almost as good as the uh, sam harris um, um assessment which oh, is i was just seen. listening to it as you came in actually. Yeah, yeah i came across really it good. today and uh he very su very succinctly very uh, is that a word yeah, uh, yeah. yeah he very he very like patiently and to the point breaks down what it is and why it's a problem i mean it's and it's it's far yeah. more it's he does it in a smart way where it's like it's not the typical attack on donald trump which only makes him stronger right, right? this is a mini boss right that yeah. you're, you think like you're mm. like but i'm using the plasma cannon mm. and he's just growing bigger why why isn't this working right yeah whereas he, sam harris takes more of an approach of like he disarms he disarms both sides <laughs> the supporters and the against yeah. and yeah. says this is the wrong conversation yeah the, the core of his of his argument which i which i agree with is that the, the supporters behind Trump are actually expressing uh, the fact that they're they've lost their patience with yeah. uh, PC culture yeah which in it's, a way we all but have. it's it's more than that it's the disenfranchisement of uh, white lower class Americans that's part of it who too. for the first time in their generation are at the bottom rung along with I mean see themselves at the very least as as being on the bottom rung along with the impoverished people of color and and women and all of these people that for generations they saw themselves as being at least above these people so they're not at the bottom and so they have upward mobility but there is not no upward mobility and generation after generation deals with the same bs two-party system where the top stays on top and a few people in the middle move to the top and a few people on the top move to the middle i mean i think 1984 should be mandatory reading to everyone before they're allowed to vote because <laughs> it's pretty much sums up the entire western yeah, democratic system unfortunately let's make america like, great again means like let's put us 
above the Mexicans again. It's that's <laughs> exactly. the thing. It's, it's it's taking it's the natural endpoint to applying capitalist systems to every aspect of life. The way that you apply capitalism to healthcare and education in the United States, which is completely ludicrous when you think about it, mm. because why should someone's health be worth more than someone else's? And why would you like? Why does it need to be a winner and a loser in things like health and education? Or at right? least give the the benefit, <laughs> yeah. give the preferential treatment in the Medicare to the people creating wealth and common wealth. And, and that's good. and that's and that's and that's not the the one percent. <laughs> well, exactly, the one percent are, are <laughs> like you if know, you want to give a little bit other people poor, which makes them sick, which if, makes them unable. If to you want to give more sick. more healthcare to the guy who's like drilling to the center of the earth, like yeah. I'm down with that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay <laughs> if you minor, cover him. Yeah, yeah. If you cover him a little bit more, yeah. The ice crab fisherman. If you're yeah. a little more, yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'll pay into that. System. I would actually. I would actually. I mean, I'm a pretty public environmentalist, so like. Anyone who's drilling down to the center of the earth, I think, is probably doing it for oil, which we don't need. This is a top to a, you know, what we use on stage, but it's very, very special because if you can see, yeah, the numbers all go to eleven. Look, right across the board, oh. eleven, oh, eleven, and most of eleven, these and then amps go up to ten. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? It's not ten. You see, most most blokes, you know, be playing at ten. You're on ten here, all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way up. You're on ten on your guitar. Where can you go from there? Where? I don't know. Nowhere. Exactly. What we do is, if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Uh, put it up to eleven. Eleven. Exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make ten louder and make ten be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to eleven. Did the did the soundtrack that you did for that film I made? Mm. Did that actually did that work out with the? I mean, I got my master's. You got your master's. Okay, yeah. so it, it worked. Okay, <laughs> yeah. good. All right. Yeah, they at first when I uh, when I told them that I had done all of the material I needed to do, and then I presented to them, they're like, "This isn't enough. You need more." And I was like, "Fine." And they're like, also, it needs to be more varied. I was like, fine. So then I did your <laughs> film, and then I brought it back to them. They're like, oh, this is good. And I was like, yeah, I know. Right on. <laughs> so this is, uh, in case you, I didn't tell you this, this is how Connor and I actually met. Yeah, right? you didn't tell me. Yeah, so I randomly uh, through... Connor's your secret through friend. Through Carl Werleman. So Carl Werleman. Oh, I know right Carl. There, yeah. Shout who out to Carl. Shout out yeah. to... Big shout out to Carl. Yeah, who I think he's a very tall gentleman himself. Yes, Indeed. I think he's getting married, or he's married already. Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah. big, big... Yeah, Carl, uh, move around a shaker. Huge shout out to Carl. Yeah, so Carl was in my second year film, Imprint, and I randomly saw his... If I remember correctly, I saw him sort of post something on Facebook... Mm-hmm. Uh, and the gist of it is that he needed, t- he was missing s- uh, work for his master's degree. Him being me, not Carl. Yes. Mm. Yes. Okay. Yes, correct. Thank you for clarifying that. Yes. Yeah, so Connor was like, shit, I need to do some more, I need some more material for yeah. And uh, it so happened that I needed a soundtrack for, for my short film. And then we kind of met up and sat down and I kind of ran him through it. And uh, he banged out this fucking great score and like, like, I don't know, like, like a week. Like a week? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, so that that was how we met. Yeah. On which film was this? This was on Imprint. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. That I was really great. liked that movie, too. Did you? Yeah, a lot. That's yeah. so weird. The music I was, like, was great. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I was like, it's this movie is so weird. Yeah. That gives me so much to work with. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, uh, like I haven't processed fully what that film was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what I was really trying to do is I was trying to do it all in one shot. Mm-hmm. So now, in retrospect, obviously, I see the flaws, but sure. 
uh, I'm still glad. I'm super proud of it because yeah. it was just it was I was just being real with myself yeah. and I didn't hold it back. I just fuck yeah. it. I just went with it. I mean, part of the artistic process is also creating something and then immediately wanting it to be different. Right. That will happen. I mean, that's happened with every single thing I've ever made. As soon as we had our last album as a band in the can, I wanted to retrack like two of the songs. But, you know, you've already finished the final mix. You just have you to don't go. go back in the studio and record right. again, especially when you don't have as much funding as you would have wanted and are going to be paying out of pocket for a lot of it. Do you become fond of the errors with time? I find I do. Yes and no. Some of them grow on me and I'm like, well, this isn't what I wanted. But now that it's there, I can't hear it. Like, I'm just so used to it that I like it like that. Other things make me really wish I had I had something else. Like there's one track on our last record where I would love to retrack it. Love to retrack it. And actually, it would be one of the easiest things to do. But it's just this little you know, thing that's bugging you. Exactly. Yeah, you got to think this is what sort of we should maybe even call it like the the Lucas principle or whatever. Like this mm. is maybe what drove um, George Lucas mad, and actually f- led him to you know butcher his uh, his own work. His own work. Yeah. I mean, we can definitely see there's a wrong side to that and there's a right side. Sure. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting thing, you know, because you watch something that you made and you're like, shit. If I had like another hundred bucks here. If I had just put a little more, I've retracted just this bit here, it would be perfect. But would it be, right? Mm. Would you have then realized that now the other stuff is off? And um, I think I think when we look at, for example, the original Star Wars trilogy and we see this, quote, you know, new version where they, like, drop things in that really shouldn't be there, the thing that throws me more than anything is just how clearly out of place the CGI looks. It's so out of place. In, in compared yeah. to everything else. And it's like it's really not, specific. It's actually not the artistic decisions themselves. It's just, it's like having a song that was recorded in the 60s and is not particularly hi-fi and then tracking something else Some over top of it that's like it. mastered for iTunes. That's like super freaking high, hi-fi. Right. And it's just like, that just sounds really out of place. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's like listening to, you know, you're listening to, uh, I don't know, as my guitar gently weeps, yeah. and suddenly there's like a... Yeah, exactly. Like, there's a, yeah. there's a dr- yeah. dubstep fucking, like, yeah. section over it. Mm-hmm. You're like, even if that works somehow with the song, mm-hmm. it's just way too high fidelity. Exactly. Compared it's to just the, weird. Yeah, and I think that's a, the best. I think, if anything, Lucas has secretly provided everyone, all artists, with kind of a compelling argument to leave their old exactly. work alone mm-hmm. and just let it be. If you want to remake a song, then remake it, yeah. but make it new. Right. There's, um, I think it's, is it, uh, is it talk show host? One of one of the, the tunes on the new Radiohead album is actually a tune from, like, 15 years before but then there's a completely new version on the new album and you recognize it as the same because the lyrics are the same and a lot of the chords are the same but it's completely different and that's the way to do it right you want you take something that you've already done and if you want to redo it then redo it but redo it in 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 a way that doesn't that's i mean i just you can't you can't take a final product and then and then, like, so many years later, add to it. It's I, like, yeah, I think your, your analogy, like, is especially apt 
um, the dubstep thing because it's it's literally taking something that was done which was basically cutting edge for its time and then adding something that 30 years later is cutting edge for its time and there's just this weird gap this weird temporal displacement thing the journey is not yeah, there right exactly i think a really valuable album to study as a musician or as an artist to see how like it can go terribly wrong mm. Uh, is Chinese Democracy from Guns N' Roses, mm. the the infamous album that took 17 years to, to, to come out. Oof. Mm. Uh, as bad as it is, it's really fascinating to listen to because yeah. you can literally hear the 17-year se- the, the yeah. like rewriting and going like, hmm, oh, you know what's really in right now is yeah. this little like techno thing. Let's yeah. put a little techno over this. I'm, I'm, I'm like, a much oh, bigger wait, fan Lennon. of... Uh, of the, the short attention span approach where you just sort of stream of consciousness whatever it is you actually trying to make and make that and then put it out and the only reason why we ever sit on music that we have recorded which we did for every album we've made is in an effort to be able to get the proper financial backing for it to be able to put it out with support or to get the proper publicity set up so that when it comes out you can maximize off of like it the lands. release uh-huh. but I have a great deal of respect for YouTube bands and YouTube artists who are just constantly putting out things and waiting on no one and just putting everything out. One of my favorite examples is um, Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Sounds familiar, but remind me. I mean, I haven't checked his channel in a little while, but the last time I checked, which was a few months ago, he had maybe one and a half million subscribers. Okay. So So that's a fuck ton of people. That's a fuck ton of people, right? And they tour the world. And basically what they do is they take top 40 pop tunes and they uh, rearrange them and play them as if they're from like, you know, 50 plus years ago. Okay. Like, you know, like the old timey. Exactly. Like doo-wop versions or like. It's almost like an app where you can. Rock and roll okay. style or even surf, kind of surf rock. Like they do all Ramones kinds of stuff like that. version of. Not, I mean, it's less that because I think he has more of sort of like, um, kind of like he's like a jazz piano guy. Okay. Okay. Um, so it'll be like a doo-wop version of... Exactly. Um, but a lot of the stuff that they put out is amazing. Like, there's a song, I think it's I think it's Maroon 5, called Maps. And I listened to the original and it sucks. But their version is dynamite. What, what sort of style did they do it in? Um, it's kind of... It's kind of like... Kind of soul. Um... I I wouldn't re- yeah I would say it's sort of like soul. And they get some they get some vocalists right some really oh, good yeah, vocalists yeah. to do. Them. So he always he always gets different singers to do tunes. Um, he gets tap dancers like he has sort of his core band which is like him and his bassist and his drummer and sometimes they'll swap out people depending on who's available because they're putting out a new song and a new live video for the live recorded song every week. That's crazy. Every week and once they have a complete album they put out the entire album on on like iTunes and Jesus. like on all the media. So they're putting out al- like half a dozen albums a year. And they're like moving you know? units or in like a way four, that or like four albums a year or something. Like cuz they're and he must be writing a, like I don't even know how he could possibly write that fast. Right. Cuz every Thursday there's a new song. Yeah, no, even from a filmmaking like YouTube does that have that sort of effect. Yeah. No matter what format you're in. Yeah. <clears throat> one uh, one particular um scene that really fascinates me is the these like diy do uh, like um 
uh, shop kind of people. Mm-hmm. You know, they build stuff at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second a movie comes out, the second uh, thing is big, they will immediately release a really high quality making of with yep. like shit around your house. How to make an Ant Man costume with yeah, exactly with like old with Gatorade like, bottles or whatever, <laughs> and your broken air conditioner. You yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you would need one of those. That makes sense. Yeah. But the what's more impressive than how compelling the the content is, is the 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 speed, the speed at which they come up with these. N- concepts like how do you quantity. figure this out so fast and the editing like i yeah. know how much editing is involved in these things and they're, yeah. they're just pounding them out like yeah it's uh it's really impressive yeah it's really impressive and shocking but uh yeah. and it and it really appeals to our generation who have the attention span of a brick or a pokemon go player yes actually pokemon go players have astounding attention span to pokemon go Okay, this is kind of yeah. what I wanted to get to here. Is you want to talk about Pokemon? Yeah, because because it's brand new, right? Well, I certainly did not espouse the like either like this is great, and neither did I really espouse the like fucking retard. Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't get on either bank, but it did kind of remind me like just as I started to see people kind of crowding little public spaces mm-hmm. and parks and stuff. I was like, this seems kind of positive because it's people and we're gathering and we're, we're kind of sitting next to each other and mm-hmm. we're going places. But I couldn't help think of um, that old computer game, Lemmings. Mm, yeah. Right? Where in like, and how, you know, you try and get them to go in one place and then eventually they all just walk off that cliff and die. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, God damn it. There was something, uh, something yeah. like odd and, uh, you know, Orwellian about the whole, the whole sort of... Uh, uh, way that everyone just immediately accepted the the program, yeah, and and I see people from all walks of life, mm-hmm. like literally bars near the places, yeah. Uh, people aren't even talking anymore; yeah. they're just all like. Actually, here's here's <clears throat> a great Pokemon Go story from my own experience. So I got the app twelve days ago, when I was in the Saguenay. Um, since then, I have walked. Probably, I mean, between walking and biking while it's been active. I don't play while I'm on my bike, but I keep it running while it's in my bag to incubate incubate eggs, which is one of the things that you do in the game, which you have to do over distance. Incubate eggs? Yeah, so you, you get eggs and you put them in an incubator, but they only incubate once you've, you've actually walked or biked or basically traveled a certain distance. And it doesn't register your travel as valid unless you're going uh, 10 miles an hour or less to keep people from doing it while driving. Okay. Which is really smart because Nintendo's been trying to get people to exercise for 18 years and they're finally doing it. Is this what's behind this whole yeah. movement? Is yeah, it yeah, exercise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at, look at Nintendo Wii. Right. You know, yeah. the, the whole point was to get people moving because they recognize that, you know, they want to make video games and stuff, but they don't want people becoming zombie cush potatoes. Yeah. Did and you see the guy who, uh, who published like the hack for it where you put it on the on a turntable on a turntable and it just like it's, yeah. it's just the right speed to just keep going yeah <laughs> this but is like, basically the the 21st century version of um just putting your nintendo gun up to the screen to get, <laughs> yes. get all the ducks yep. no it's like it was into the light right because it was uh, it was a light gun it was a light oh i didn't ever caught on to so that. you just go into any lamp and, and then just it just like diffuses all, it around the, the entire room. all the ducks go yeah. down yeah this yeah. is a uh, you remember captain power uh, Captain Power and the Soldiers of Tomorrow or the Soldiers of oh, the Future. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is making, a, they're be remaking it. So, oh. Canadian show, Canadian sci-fi show, first toy to ever, I think, ever offer interactivity. With like in space, like in three-dimensional space. Well, what would happen, in fact, is that the show would be on 
and it was oh yeah it and was you could like rudimentary shoot, 3d shoot things at the tv or something well like the yeah because the characters the the evil like robots yeah. that were in very had, like, rudimentary, flashy spots they had flashy spots yeah. and then if you bought the toys uh-huh. they you could shoot the tv and then there was some sort of interaction there yeah this would be the, yeah. this would be like the grandfather of pokemon yep. go right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, what was interesting about this is that I, I, I was too poor. We were too poor to, to, right. to buy the, the Captain the, Power toys. But you'd still watch the show. Well, my mom <laughs> bought... Um, yeah, I watched the show. And yeah. my mom bought me um, a, a set of Photon, which is... So the big, the big game was Laser Tag. Mm. And Laser Tag was the expensive one, right? And yeah. the kind of off-brand uh, uh, sort of... Uh, you know, if you couldn't afford laser tag, you could get Photon, which is weird because Photon came with much cooler gear. Mm. But it was the same concept. You wore like a chest piece. You wore like this big space helmet. Mm-hmm. You had a gun, and then you could shoot each other in the chest. So she got you that, but she couldn't get the things to play Captain it, Power. No, because she got a deal on the Photon. Ah, deck, okay. Because it. it was right. Yeah. And then again, this is another story for another time. But I met the guy who created Photon. By you should have him on the show. I, I don't know where he is. Ah. I don't know, but he was a, a genius. I, again, I'll, I'll, uh, another story for another time. Yeah. So anyway, I figured out that the photon gun could interact with Captain Power. <laughs> like, wow. Because it was basically, the it had to thing. be yeah, all the yeah. same technology, yeah. right? But uh, it was really, so I would just be like firing at the at the robots on Captain, Captain Power. Power. Okay. So you're saying that this is driven by like an, uh, like an exercise Motive. Yeah, that's what, absolutely. Did you get that impression, Richard, from 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 the way that this has been sort of uh, rolled out? Oh yeah, it's it's, it's built into evident? the mechanism. Yeah. yeah. Are you like, playing? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I I I'm in the that domain a little bit, so I need to understand it as of like, course, as yeah. a phenomenon. So yeah. yeah, so I'm 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 playing it. Uh, definitely, it's built in, into the mechanism. Mm-hmm. You, you need to like you, you can't, walk around you can't play it and ex- you need to explore the physical space it, yeah. it plugs into google maps and then yeah. wherever you are like the you can't Pokemon. just sit on your ass and do this no no, no in fact if you sit on your ass and do it you, like i could sit here and one might show up in the kitchen and then i'll catch it and then nothing else will show up for hours okay yeah. whereas i could walk 20 meters in that direction and find two or three others right oh. so it's excited by movement yes. So, so like, it's made by Niantic, who, if I'm not mistaken, was affiliated with Google when they were originally doing Google Maps, like was part of the actual mapping um, software company. Um, and Niantic previously had a game called Ingress, which essentially had the same interface. You would be an avatar on a map and you would walk around and it would be your map. It would be whatever city you're in or like, you know, like if you're in the middle of a park, it'll show you as being in the middle of a park or if you're next to a body of water, it'll show the body of water and stuff. And uh, Ingress, there were two factions and essentially you were all hackers and you were trying to hack these sort of data n- nodes for your side and like defeat the opposing team. And as you got to these data nodes, you could like collect hacking tools from them and Pokemon Go essentially works the same way. You walk around and there's all these landmarks which are called Pokestops and you 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 know, you activate them when you're close enough and you get items from them, like Pokeballs that you use to capture wild Pokemon or um, potions that you use to heal your guys who take damage from uh, gym battles or um, egg incubators or <coughs> eggs which you can uh, incubate this, and This is and the part where Pokemon. I'm not clear about. Yeah. So when I see like 50 people yes. all huddled around ah, Okay, I can park, explain that. So isn't, it, isn't there just one Pokemon there? No. 
so here's the thing one of the things you can get is a lure and the lure will draw in nearby pokemon but when you activate it it won't just bring guys from the area it'll just bring guys that would not otherwise be there and the when you go to Cabot Square, for example, uh, there are a bunch of Pokestops. And Pokestops are generally landmarks. So in my neighborhood, they're mostly um, public art, like graffiti and murals or statues or, you know, like the metro station might be one, um, things like that. <coughs> so I'm guessing the Mount Royal is like a big hotspot? Or- yeah. Yeah, Mount Royal, uh, Olympic Park, uh, Botanical Gardens, um Cabot Square just happens to have a bunch that are really close together and uh, like right essentially sort of right on the northeast corner of where the old children's hospital was before it moved to uh, the Glen site and um, and so people go there because there's a bunch of spaces that are next to each other so without moving you will have access you can basically drop a lure at each one of these places and without moving which sort of defeats the purpose, frankly, you will be able to, um, your radar will pick up all of the Pokemon that come to those individual spots. And one of the other things about the game is that the more GPS signals that they register in the same place, the higher quality, like the stronger the Pokemon Pokemon they'll send, the rarer the Pokemon they'll send to that area. So when you have 300 people crowded around Cabot Square at 11 p.m. freaking out because like some Dragonite shows up and they're like, oh my God, and they're all like downloading, like they're all trying to catch it. It's because... Is everyone fighting over the same Pokemon? So here's the thing. When it appears, it will appear to everyone. Everyone will be able to catch it. There's a possibility that in the process of catching it, it will flee because that's always a chance with every Pokemon, um, the capturing of every wild Pokemon. The higher the... Like, the better the guy you're trying to catch, the higher the degree of difficulty. You will need to use additional things like, you know, raspberries, which sort of calm them out because they're busy eating raspberries. And, like, um, higher quality Pokeballs, or um, you'll just have to aim your shots better, or you'll have to get a curve shot, which increases the likelihood of capture. So people are always trying to capture these these high-ranking guys because... Um, you're, you can only have up to 250 at a time and when you have ones that you don't want anymore you transfer them back to the game which essentially grinds them into candy of the appropriate type which you then use to evolve your lower level guys right so it's it's pretty That's there's deep. a lot going on what, what ha- what's the purpose of capturing these things what does it lead to you make them fight against each other yeah like you're a Pokemon trainer so like you capture them and then you you can evolve them into these super versions of themselves mm-hmm. yeah yeah but they are have, you they fighting other other trainers yeah so as as the game is now um and actually we can talk about how nintendo's been trying to get people out of the house for years through previous pokemon games where in fact if you were playing let's say on your nintendo ds and you were playing pokemon and you ran into someone else who's playing pokemon on their nintendo ds you could stand next to each other and it would essentially you could do like bluetooth battles with each other and you could like meet people in the real world and fight against them yeah they had a watch at some point exactly like they had had a lot of stuff and so they've been they've been working on this idea for for a a long time and now the only battles that you can have are at gyms which are designated locations which are also landmarks like the tall statue right in the center of cabot square is a gym for example um in my churches a lot of churches are gyms that's problematic right whenever you have people living in um historical buildings that have been repurposed for habitation yeah. yeah Um, Do so people come in? Need to come into your house, or can they just no, chill outside? No, no. So long as they're, you're within, I think, like 20 meters or something. Okay. 
which is you know can be Still pretty weird. uncomfortably close <laughs> and and we could talk about how the fact that the westboro baptist church headquarters is a gym and it keeps getting taken over by the lgbt community that's amazing um and yeah. how there's actually people in the westboro baptist church is, whose job it is to try to keep that gym theirs wow <laughs> and there's but, a gay pokemon well, they keep putting the Clefairy, who is called Clefairy, and it looks like a fairy. And so, of course... It's you know what's really crazy about this is that this is basically created or is in the process of creating a duplicate to the world. Yes. Yeah. Right? Uh, that beyond that now it, can be reconquered. It's, it's interesting because it goes beyond that. Like, I've gotten into conversations with people over it, and then I get them to talk about things that are not related to Pokemon. So I'm actually getting a lot of people who, and this is sort of one of my own personal goals with the game is because I'm, I have a lot of social causes that are really close to my heart. And I recognize that a lot of the people who are playing this game are gamers at heart, but they don't necessarily care enough about what's happening in the world. But this is getting them out of the house and getting them to a place where I can interact with them directly. So I can go up to them and talk to them and be like, hey, what did you catch? Is there anything good around here? Oh, cool. What team are you on? Oh, that's cool. I'm on this team. Have you, do you know about this trick? Oh, yeah. Oh, thanks for that tip. You know, and then you get them talking like, hey, did you hear what's going on in Turkey? Okay. You're saying like um, cross-pollination. Exactly. Uh, uh, awareness raising. Wow. Exactly. Okay. It's an opener. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and that's the thing that that it's probably the thing that no one is talking about is the fact that so a lot of people are talking about how now you have what they refer to as like armies of zombies walking the streets staring at their phones which i would like to point out people were already doing um that you have all of these people who used to game in private who are now gaming in public and what you're seeing is the sheer quantity of people who are gaming who did not used to do who used to do that at home in front of a computer sitting on their ass eating cheesy poofs and now they're walking around people are walking around with backpacks filled with water and snacks wearing sunscreen like people are actually planning their expeditions because they know they're going out pokemon hunting for a few hours and they're learning actually basic survival skills on top of you know mm. how to kind of you know navigate import, like good routes within their urban environment or a rural environment if you don't live in how the city how to stay hydrated how to stay hydrated <laughs> how not to get sunburned if you're gonna if you want to like if you get a really bad sunburn you're actually go discovering their city, own you know? city exactly stuff like that okay, um, i, I have that. i have found a lot of public art i would not have seen otherwise but yeah, the thing that no one is talking about, because people talk about how they see armies of zombies, and that's sort of the biggest criticism people crashing from people who cars, are playing, or crashing cars, but people do that, and people die taking selfies anyway, so it's not that's not new. But um, And then the people who are playing, a lot of them are like, hey, people are going out of the house. People who were not going out of the house. People are getting exercise. People are seeing the city, and they're interacting with each other offline, and this is actually good for the world. And and the thing that, that no one seems to be talking about yet, that i'm really keen on is what essentially becomes interactions like pokemon is the icebreaker and a lot of the gaming community are um sheltered uh sheltered dudes sheltered cisgendered men who don't interact enough in the real world with people who are not cisgendered men and as another cisgendered man, I know that most of the time, if I just start talking to them about Pokemon, they're going to not think anything of it. Whereas if I was like a black lesbian and I started talking to them about Pokemon, they would already have this instinctual, oh, well, this person is other. So they would not necessarily be as, as 
comfortable and like okay. open. You're talking about like a sort of a unifying. Yeah, exactly. Like you, so, we can all bond over this. So I can so I can just open up this conversation and then get them comfortable by talking about a bunch of Pokemon stuff, which I know enough about because I've been playing it for a couple of weeks. And then so you've been ask using, them about you've, something else. You've been using it to hit on women, is what you're saying? Not even. I actually specifically <laughs> don't talk to women. That's gonna be a great. It's gonna be a great opener, though. I mean, I'm sure it would be. And there, there, you could uh, Google Pokemon Go and Blow and see how that's essentially become Netflix and chill for Pokemon players. Really? Yes. And uh, I can totally see, like, any day now, there's gonna be the first couple that gets married. That through Pokemon over. Go, of yeah. course. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, it's coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would expect before that happens, there will probably be a lot of um, "quote unquote" illegitimate children that come from Pokemon Go that no one will be talking about. But <laughs> that anyways. no one wants to capture or evolve. <laughs> My name is Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> Pikachu we Johnson. To name our child Blastoise. <laughs> Blastoise. <laughs> anyways, but um, but yeah, I like to to engage these guys who are clearly gamers at heart in conversations not about gaming because and it's working. Uh, so this is something I only figured out a few days ago that I could do. Um, cause you're sat right now. You're sounding like one of those Mormon guys with the name tags. <laughs> That's like, right, Oh, I like cheese too. Have, have you, do you know about the, do you know about Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ 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 that I'm not asking them about something that's faith-based. Sure. I'm asking them about something that is documented. And right. That, you know, I'm asking them about their awareness of what's going on in the real world because I want to know, I want to know whether or not, they are aware of what goes on outside of Pokemon and their other video games. Well, and actually, their other I don't interests. see any difference between what you're doing and the Mormon guys. But the fact is, what you're selling is 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 much healthier to me than what they're selling. The tactic but, but, itself but the is not a bad is, tactic. I'm not selling. I'm. J I just straight up ask them if they know what's going on in Turkey, or if they heard about what happened, if they heard about the pulse shooting, or if they know about the Black Lives Movement, or if they know about Baghdad, you know. You know the doxing eight thousand million things going on right now. Well, exactly. Right, right. Yeah, which you're saying that the gaming community tends to maybe be a little bit oblivious to because so they're always so. The gaming so community deep. is not oblivious to doxing, and they're not oblivious to misogyny because there's an inordinate amount of hate towards, especially uh, female game journalists and female gamers. Um, but in order to get to that subject, you can't broach that subject first. You have to lead around to it from something that you can, both sides can essentially be neutral about. You ask them about, you know, if you ask an Asian guy about the Black Lives Movement, then that's easier than the asking. Black Lives Matter thing? Uh, yeah, Black okay. Lives Matter Movement. Or um, you ask um, someone who presents as cisgendered and heterosexual about the pulse shooting, you know, then you can ask people about things that aren't that they don't necessarily present as having a clear one side or the other side about, and you get them talking to them. And I don't know how These much... These are just things that you've wanted to engage on. It sounds like... It's things that I generally want to engage people You want to engage on, on people with yeah. people regardless. Yeah. So but this, this is... Just, this, uh, is this is... I mean, if I'm going to be playing Pokemon anyways, and I'm going to end up in a park collecting Pokemon with other people who are gathered around a lure, then I have, I have a forum for it. And sometimes you get one person talking and then someone else will interject. And then you will actually accidentally, like this happened to me yesterday, where I accident, accidentally started a discussion between people by saying something and to someone who then responded. And then another person who was nearby responded. Doesn't this interfere then, with the Pokemon catching though? Uh, no, because your uh, device will vibrate when someone pops up. 
and otherwise you're just checking to see when where there are Pokestops that you can collect items from. So you're making conversations between vibrations? I mean, <laughs> I guess if you want to put it that way. <laughs> He's uh, squeezing no. in an inch. No, that's good. I, hey, mean, I, I see it as positive. I think there's something cool about the social aspect of it. It's getting people together, and huh. no matter what it is that you want to talk about, I think that it's it's great to have a platform to be able to do that. And to your point, it's, yeah. it's, I think it's cool that people are getting out there. A lot of people are joking about the fact that they're zombies and stuff, but it's been a problem for a while. There's actually a... It's um, been a problem for... It happened here in Montreal where yeah. some poor poor lady walked through like between two, between two metro, metro cars. cars. Young girl, yeah. Yep. You know, and I she, see it all the time. Like Even just walking down the street, it's a problem. Like you, can, yep. you know, We've all done that where someone's coming the other direction I'm, looking uh, at their phone and you're like, are they going to move? Because there's nowhere else. Are they going to see me? And then at the last second, they're like, and then swerve. If, if you want to really experience this at its height, take the Demazenev bike path between like Atwater and McGill at rush hour and see how many people stand in the bike path. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's actually, it's probably worse outside of rush hour because there aren't 15 bikes waiting at the intersection, making it really clear that there's a bike path. Yeah. But there are people who will step from the curb into the intersection without looking to see if there's a bike coming. Like yeah. they just think it's a free zone. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a pre They don't see cars. Or walk into the street. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, if it's a problem as a pedestrian exactly. walking down the, the the sidewalk, imagine like any uh, yep. of these other arteries that are way more dangerous than somebody else like coming and like hitting you in the shoulder with their shoulder. Yeah. Like, you know, I, uh, like you I, have a vehicle. I engaged someone in discussion today, which is something I haven't done in a really long time, on another friend's Facebook post about this exact topic where he was calling the game stupid. And I don't know how familiar you guys are with Star Trek The Next Generation. But there's you are in the right place. Yes. Very familiar. Uh, the episode <laughs> "Measure of a Man" from yes. season two, yes. where Data is put on trial to determine his rights. Yes, is he sentient? Is he property? And um, Picard, who is his advocate, uh, is asking um, the the scientist who wants to disassemble Data in order to better understand him, in order to be able to make more Datas, whether or not Data is sentient. First, he asks him to define sentience, and the guy defines sentience. And then he asks him, uh, am I sentient? And he's like, of course. And he's like, why? He's like, well, we all know you're sentient. He's like, okay, but why? And then he uses the guy's, the guy uses his own definition to say it. He's like, is data sentient? He's like, no. And he's like, why? And he just essentially plays dumb. And that's an approach that I really like to take with people, which is to make them walk themselves into a corner when I know that they're wrong. Hmm. I, I'll just say, why? And when they answer, I'll say, okay, but that... That doesn't actually prove your point. That proves a different point, which I won't refute. But what about your point? Like this person like said the attorney. game is stupid. And I said, why? And he said, because people walk around staring at their phones and, you know, they get into accidents. And I was like, okay, but that was already happening. And then I listed him the Wikipedia article about, of, of the list of people who died taking selfies that are just on record. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny big. that you brought up that. TNG. Sorry, did you want to Go respond ahead. to this? Because uh, when you brought up TNG, I immediately thought of the episode The Game. Right, where, uh, yep. where uh, Riker Wesley. is uh, off planet whoring yep. with some and he alien. Picks up, picks up this game that actually uh, taps into your, your you nervous system and yeah. Yeah, the two antennas, yep. and you had to get the little things that in the discs. That episode features uh, the entire crew being saved by Wesley Crusher, and right. I think it's Naomi Judd who plays his like love interest. Yes, yes. Uh, and but that whole gambit was to to 
it was a whole like long game plan yeah, to was, be able to seize the ship, right? To seize the ship. To get everyone yeah. addicted to this game. Yep. And then allow them to, and then make it so that they're willing to give up everything. It was so basically like it released a comment, endorphins when you got released the thing endorphins in, when yeah, you got in the, so yeah, it yeah, felt it was good like, to win. <sighs> it was Every a drug. It was like, a drug response, basically. Yeah. And, um, and I, I'm just about, saying yeah. that, like, while I I agree that like immediately reacting to it is like look at the zombies is like a simplistic reaction. Um, there is something to hordes of people all yeah. and plugging that's away the difference the between game. between enjoying something and uh, developing an addiction to that thing. So, which we have a history of doing. Yes, as human beings. Yes, humans. Humans are terrible at um, at that. And one of the things that's amazing about um, Nintendo is that. They have tried very hard throughout their history not to have people be addicted to their games. Like, it wasn't an accident that the controller that you used to play the original Nintendo with was not comfortable. They wanted people to cramp up and stop playing. Really? Yes. I didn't know uh, that. They, they also... How Japanese? Right. Um, the, um, if you are doing Nintendo Wii for a while, it'll regularly remind you, take breaks. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Every time you log into... Um, into Pokemon Go, you first get the Niantic logo page. Then you have your loading page, and the loading page will say, "Always be aware of what's around you." And it'll and it shows a guy staring at his phone, walking into essentially a monster who's gonna eat him. You know, it's mm. basically like, "Hey, keep your head up. You're playing a game that you don't actually need to stare at all the time. In fact, you barely need to look at it at all unless you're capturing a guy or fighting a gym." Right. We had a, a guest on not, not long ago, Eric, who was, uh, he's a level designer. Senior at, level at, designer at uh, Ubisoft, yeah. Ubisoft? Nice. And uh, he was talking about the uh, virtual reality mm. and how, it, like, how like, unsettling it is when somebody actually is plugged in and they have the thing over mm-hmm. their eyes and, like, they've got the, the headphones on. Like, they're not there anymore. No. You know, they're in another place. Yes. So, this is sort of an enhanced reality right this is uh, mm-hmm. this is a, a different version of that same effect i think it's normal that people who are not plugged into that are going to have a reaction oh yeah you know to the fact that these this these people are plugged into a reality that we're not part of yep. and we're just seeing it from the outside yep. and it's totally fucked and you to know us, what you know when i'm when i'm biking and i'm definitely not playing and biking at the same time because that's not safe right don't do that don't drive and play pokemon go at the same time yeah don't do that pay attention to what's going on around you be safe kids that first screen that you see every time you log in it's there for a reason anyways when i'm biking and i see people staring like basically head neck at a 90 degree angle staring directly down at their phone walking nearly into things Hmm. i i recognize that if you don't play this game or you have, especially if you don't have gaming as part of your culture, that it could be very easy to, to look at this and think these people are insane. Right. Everybody congregating in these big groups and like a thing that you're not part of. And immediately it's like, well, it's not, it's not good if I don't understand it. I don't like it. I I had a meeting at five 30 right before coming here and I was heading down there and I was getting there early and it was like not far from Capit Square. So I went to Capit Square where it's like the best place to catch Pokemon in the city. 
Um, actually, if you're listening to this, it's not the best place. Don't go there. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> well, it actually, really is. Would it be a yeah, yeah, no, it, it is. And, more and, people go and, there. And if you go there, you'll catch lots of stuff. But just be aware that the lures are active every day for about 12 hours. So you really don't need to spend your whole day there. In fact, <laughs> I recommend that you do other things. Make sure to pack a lunch. Yeah. Um, stay hydrated. Stay sunscreen. hydrated. Yeah, sunscreen. Lots of sunscreen. Wear a bring, hat. bring the sunscreen with you. Wear a hat. Stay in the shade. If you're going to catch a guy, like, and he appears on your screen, <clears throat> let him appear on your screen, then get in the shade, then catch him. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Because sunstroke is, is a thing. Like, heat stroke is a thing. Heat exhaustion is a thing. And the last thing that. Maybe to you guys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, especially for people yeah. who are used to playing uh, video games. Uh, like yeah, and who will. Who are. Couch potatoes, you know. Who are, are not strangers to being in front of the same screen for six hours until their eyes bleed, you know. I'm surprised that more people haven't uh, had, like, like dropped. Heat, heat exhaustion yeah. or, or, like. It's coming. Or just, like. Yeah, definitely. Horrible cramp or mm-hmm. something, you know. If people are walking into. I just watched a video today of a guy who while he's explaining what he's catching like walks into a lake or something <laughs> like oh yeah and you hear like, like i've he, seen the joke stuff where um, like, people are walking into posts and stuff no no the guy legit walked into the body of water he's like oh look at that oh okay <laughs> um there's actually a comedy troupe i think they're from toronto some of my friends seem to be friends with the people who made these videos of this guy playing pokemon go and like walking into posts you see him actually walking on the ttc subway tracks like, oh yeah, I saw that. You saw, saw that? that. So, yeah, so I don't, yeah. I don't know these guys personally, but they're, I guess, second degree well of, of separation from me. Yeah, it was and, good. Uh, and it's, and it's that satire is really highlighting the true danger of this game. Is the true danger of any addiction, anything that you take to the point where you can't put it down, where it you endanger your life or your safety, or you know you abandon common sense in favor of something, is a problem. For sure. You know, people who get stoned once in a while are very different than people who have serious drug or alcohol addictions. Yeah. People who can go to the casino once a year and gamble or play poker with their friends Versus people are, who... are different than people who sit in front of slot machines 12 hours a day. And yeah. it's not the people who are the problem. It is the addiction and the way that we treat addiction. Is that an, is there is there addiction coming out of this Pokemon thing? Or is it I too mean, early to tell? I would, say, I would say that gaming addiction is a thing. Oh, and I think sure. that's yeah. proven. And I don't think that this game is dissimilar. It's coming. I think, it's still early. I think yeah, that as early. addictions go, if it's one that causes you to go outside and walk around, it could be worse. It could be worse, yeah. But as with all things, everything in moderation. This kids, everything in moderation. Adults also. Anyone. Yeah. Do things in moderation. Stay in right. school. Yeah. Well, I see the only Don't other thing that was has been mo- this this mobilizing to uh, on such a scale. The last thing I heard of that had this kind of effect was the uh, you know uh, World of Warcraft, um, which is still being played by yep. millions of people today. So I don't necessarily see this going anywhere. It's funny, though, because Pokemon had kind of fallen off the map a little bit, right? Sort of, but never completely. There have been many iterations for many different systems. There have been TV shows and films and stuff. This is my Mm. first ever Pokemon adventure. So yeah, the current the, the current animation show is uh, on eight hundred episodes and yeah, counting. exactly. So clearly, there's um, still an interest. Also, I've already heard. I didn't read the article, but I saw a headline that says that Niantic is already planning on making Harry Potter go. Oh uh, shit! Yeah. Which is going to tap into an entirely different market, and Jesus also, Christ. but tap into a lot of. There's going to be a lot of crossover there. And if sure. you think about it, walking around the real world and collecting spell components, and then having to go places and battle 
like your wizards against other stuff, people yeah. by casting spells but actually you know casting spells in in real life yeah. is going to attract a ton of people and finding like secret places by going through this particular alley exactly and i think you know shit, th- you, you know, know what the real danger of this is uh, this i think it ties into something you you pointed out many times in this podcast is the north american do the strict minimum work culture where people are kind of just getting by you know most people we're just kind of doing their job as as, as little as yeah. possible. And then the phones are kind of already being, becoming a problem in the workplace where people yeah. are fucking around. They're being people are banned. People listening to podcasts Facebook, while people. they're working. Exactly. We, we love you guys. We love you guys. <laughs> Keep doing it. Um, I mean, so long as they're able to work. Yeah. But I'm just seeing like that's what it's going to maybe uh, it, like light up is we're going to it's going to get all the people fucking around caught first. Yeah. Right, like they're going to be driving their forklifts into the wall or off the ledge, or yeah. uh, someone's gonna do something at work and be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I was like Pokemon driving." For Some sure. girl hit a police car just yesterday. Oh yeah, I saw the video. And she's so outside going like, "I can't believe there's there's multiple instances of that yeah. actually that caught on camera." Mm-hmm. Right. The thing is, you can't catch anything if you're going more than ten miles an hour. Right. So she didn't hit that police car that bad. <laughs> like she couldn't have. <laughs> but you hitting a police car is just like uh, no. And well, you know what? Well, you know she didn't understand how the game works. Clearly, <laughs> that's the thing though is that uh, you know you're you're talking about like sort of uh, helping break the uh, the isolation of gamers mm-hmm. and bringing them out of the, the basements and stuff. Yeah. But and forcing like, them to interact in the real world. But you're kind of trading in another. You could say that you could they're trading it in for another type of obsession, which is healthier. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got it. But people again, I, I we're not it, good with obsessions. Th- we tend to go. I think of it in terms far. of baby steps. You gotta get them out of the house first. Okay, but the minute you turn that game off, they're going back in. Yeah, it's just. I it's mean, yes and no. A lot of the time, they're looking for somewhere to recharge their phone. Like right. if you go to Cabot Square, there are power bars outside that are available, and there's people the who are crowded. We need to get into, and there are people who are hanging out, charging their phone. There's a church right next to where that is. And when I went there today, they had power bars hooked up to the church where people could charge their stuff. They were giving out free bottles of water and free granola bars. Oh, that's nice. And when I asked them, like, I appreciate you giving these things out for free, but can I actually give you some money? Yeah. They said, oh, just donate it to your favorite charity. Well, that's hmm. you, though. <laughs> can I and there was, there was a thing that came out, like, the, the young priest had to explain to the old priest, like, why people were on? showing up yeah. in church. <laughs> like, why are all these, like, young people here? He thought Christ was as was returning into the hearts yeah. of people. Yeah. But it was actually Rattata. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, sort of or there was, uh, was the Holocaust Museum had a Pokemon that was showing up so, that was a gas Pokemon. Yeah. And that was like, ooh, so, that's bad. So the, the issue there also is that because of the Jesus, size terrible. of the world and the amount of coverage that this game has, um, clearly they don't go and handpick every single of location. Course. Yeah. But instead they have an algorithm that's based on how popular locations are and, you know, what so things are like rated a as. Gay, so gay bar toilet, there's probably some Pokemon in there. Um, so I mean they, they spawn everywhere if it's if it's, it's a bathroom a spot. The, the gay bar itself might be a Pokestop in fact I went to an event uh, a board games event in the village last week and the cafe that we were in was a Pokestop and since a bunch of the people who were at the event were Pokemon players after we played a couple of board games we took a break we dropped a lure on the excuse me on the um on the cafe and spent 30 minutes collecting all the Pokemon that showed up because we happened to be there together Okay, so it kind of created like a thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought uh, we're just about a week and a half scratching ago, the surface on this. I was hanging out with a friend, and we went on an 8K walk while chatting because we were like, hey, let's go catch Pokemon rather than sit at home and chat or sit on my back terrace or go to a, you know, a bar terrace and just sit on our asses for two hours. We walked around for two hours catching Pokemon. And we caught all kinds of stuff, and we got to know each other better, and we just had like a just a good time. And it had it was it's that that I think that a lot of the people who see the zombies overlook is the fact that there are zombies who are going to sit at home, and now you're just seeing them in the light of day. And there are other people who aren't zombie esque in their gaming, and those ones are also getting something good out of it. I, in fact, my my good friend. Um, suffers from social anxiety but is also a gamer and has been somewhat depressed for the last few months and through this game has been going out has been going for walks has been meeting people through pokemon has been getting past a lot of of his own anxiety and feeling really good about something and i know that he takes it really hard when people are shitting all over the game because they don't see how important it's been for him for other people who are in his situation and certainly this is not nothing new i mean gaming has been a has has huge therapeutic uh, applications yeah and just getting out outside and doing things as well has like a enormous impact just like the 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 stuff that rushes through your body like as you're as you're just getting additional exercise and additional exposure to like sunlight and fresh air and it has the potential to have a, a great impact, on, Huge impact. On, on mental health yeah. for particularly individuals like like your friend. Yeah. I'm wondering if um, <clears throat> there's got to be terrorists playing this. Oh, yeah. Oh, be, there's people who are luring people in and, 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 no, trying, no, no. and uh, like robbing yeah, them. Yeah, robbing shit. them. Sure, yeah, sure, that, sure, no, but I'm talking about story. like this game yeah. actually like like fucking up ISIS, right? Like this, like they're just like not wanting to go fight anymore because they're like, well, just we need to... Or we make like their home us. base like a Pokestop and put all the great Pokemons there and they just get like overrun by gamers. <laughs> just hipsters are like, like elbowing <laughs> terrorists out of the way. Like, excuse me, I, I need to get this thing. Uh, There's sure, a Charmander. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Allah. Yes, yes, Allah is great. Yes, I need to get... Not Allah, Abra. I'm trying Abra. to catch Abra. 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 I'm, here for, I'm here for Abra. Wherever. I don't care about anything. Here's a bottle of water. <laughs> like, just it distracting every, everybody from whatever the fuck is going on right. and making them engage in this polite um, conversation so actually i i've actually thought about uh domestic terrorism and what this game could do to domestic terrorism because a lot of domestic terrorism is uh perpetrated by exactly the demographic of people that make up a lot of these kind of shut-in gamers and and the fact that they are not able to stay shut in while playing this game and and i thought about how engaging some of these people in conversation could lead you to kind of discover you know some messed up things that they are thinking about or talking about you but are also fucking sold on pokemon go my friend i mean you're I, evangelizing i'm <laughs> I, I hear see, you i hear you but i mean I, I i did also point out the the dangers with it sure, which is sure. addiction which is the danger with anything else and and the addictive qualities of this game the uh, result the scariest result to me is the possibility that people will endanger their lives right or endanger other people's lives but that's gonna it's happening anyway as you said that's happening anyway right. people right. like i remember a text uh was probably before five years ago someone who texted yolo um about speeding really fast while drunk 
who then 30 seconds later was in a fatal car accident and killed himself and his friend. Hmm. People are going to be idiots. That's that sucks. It's just universal. Yeah. That's kind of universal. Fortunately, and you know, I mean, it's sad when when anyone dies. Hopefully, the people who are idiots who are going to create loss of life do it in a, a minimal, Darwin Awards type way. of way. I immediately. That it's funny you should bring that up. When Pokemon Go, when I saw what it was, I was like, "This is a new category now of, of Darwin Awards." Of for Darwin sure, Awards yes. immediately. Yeah. That's what for those who don't know, Darwin Awards are awards who are given to people who strengthen. So Darwinism. Uh, and having essentially a strong population based on the weakest members of that gene chain being removed from it. So the award is given to people who strengthen our, our global gene chain by removing themselves from it, either by killing themselves or making it impossible for them to reproduce. And dying stupidly, yeah, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, like and someone who plays a Russian roulette with a semi-automatic pistol and kills himself on the first bullet, you know. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now, which we love, Connor. This has been really freaking awesome. I feel like we could we could go on for quite a while still. Um, so that usually is a sign that you should just come back. Okay. And I hope this has been a fun fun time for you. I love drinking and talking. Yeah, that's great. I mean, You'll notice I started with drinking. <laughs> Maybe we're gonna have to start to take the show on the road now as we Pokemon Go while we're, we're podcasting. Oh Would, yeah. Are there Shit, any? We get some headsets. I mean, Richard totally caught a Rattata right here while you and I were talking like yeah, during about the break. 45 minutes ago. That's amazing. That's right. yeah. So uh, where can we hear your music? Where can we see your stuff? So um, best place to discover our music is on YouTube, uh, www.youtube.com slash C slash Lakes of Canada. We have our own channel, which we fortunately got the correct name for. That's <laughs> pretty cool. Can, which can be hard. Yeah, of course. Um, we're on all of the like primary online both streaming and download sites and people are liking um, the youtube channel sure yeah. yeah we have we have a bunch of subscribers and we have um a bunch of uh a bunch of people who you know like we haven't posted new content in a little while because we haven't had new video content to post in a while hint hint um <laughs> so if only we knew a filmmaker yeah it's too bad uh, that we don't know any okay in the world um what about yeah. you you do you have any personal projects you're, uh, you're pushing? Uh, right now it's mostly the band um, I'm putting a lot of time into that because I want to make new material. Now that we have this this publishing deal, I want to get on. Like we're we're already writing our next record, so focusing more on that. Um, my personal projects are not like the personal projects that I have outside of the band and the other musical endeavors that I have are not things that are like artistic. Okay. Like I'm working a lot, kind of on my my space at home. Because cool. So I've, just per, personal yeah, projects. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Well, this has been really, really... Uh, I mean, I, I didn't expect us to cover such a wide range of, of issues, but uh, we somehow managed to talk about, about really visceral, socially like sensitive issues mm-hmm. right down to bringing the world uh, bringing world peace. Through through uh, tiny pocket monsters. Through pocket mm-hmm. monsters. Everything from Gomeshi to... To, to Ghastly. Yes. <laughs> awesome, man. Listen, thank you for coming out. Fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. Fire in the hole.